Yeah, I liked it. Hey guys, good evening. Welcome uh, again to Bethel Radio Hour. And again, thank you for not wearing sweatpants and sitting on your couch because it is cold. <laughs> again, another it's cold. cold. Uh, it's going to be really cold tomorrow. I suffer until spring. Uh, you know, like yeah. at this point, I'm over it. So. Unless you're sitting in sweatpants on a couch right now listening to this <laughs> yeah, that's okay. in the future. That's in which okay. Case, yeah. The people in the audience are thinking, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> why didn't I think of that? <laughs> well, thank you for coming. Um, we have been in. Uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount for a while, and we started the Lord's Prayer last week. Um, we kind of covered again how when Jesus was speaking um, to the people at the time, he was telling them how, um, how to pray. And the Lord's Prayer, um, as it's commonly referred to, or the Disciples' Prayer, the Model Prayer, um, is an outline. And we got through um, the first like seven words of the prayer really last week. So um, if you weren't here, um, we talked about, and I'll just uh, read if you want, if you have your Bibles with you, this is Matthew chapter 6, um, starting in verse 9. So in this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, and this is very common. Like we've, we've heard this, many of us, our whole life. Even if you've not been raised in church, these are familiar words. Um, so the idea here is not just to recite it, um, but to understand what these words mean. Why is this the outline that Jesus gave for us to pray? So it started with our Father, and that's saying the paternity of our, he's our Father. Um, it, that's labeling that. Um, who art in heaven, and hallowed be thy name, which we said last Adoration. week. Um, hallowed isn't just a word that we use all the time. We don't just, uh, doesn't roll off your tongue in sentences in just right. a regular society. Um, but it was praising and setting his name apart. Um, so this week, let's just continue in verse 10. Your kingdom come. So Jesus, even in uh, chapter 5 of Matthew, he often talked in uh, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount about his kingdom. Right. Um, you'll be least in the kingdom. You'll be great in the kingdom. You won't see the kingdom. Um, he talks a lot about the kingdom. Um, in my magical four-year-old girl thinking mind, you know, kingdom, I'm, I'm looking at Cinderella's castle, like a kingdom. Um, and when he was on earth, they were asking, you know, Pilate says, what kind of king are you? Where's your, what is his kingdom? Mm -hmm. So when Jesus is saying, uh, when he's talking about kingdom, what does that look like? What does that mean? He's not, is he, is he talking about something physical? Like we picture a land that somebody's ruling. Is it like, describe the kingdom as Jesus would have meant it. So I think I've been saying this uh, since college because it was there that I heard this definition. The kingdom of God is Jesus Christ in the hearts of men, women, boys, and girls. That's what it is. God could care less about land because he can create it. He could care less. And don't get me wrong, he can create us too. But he created us and said, I like it. It's good. And he wanted to live with us forever. And so, of course, sin took that away from him. Uh and it didn't surprise him, but, but it took it away from him, and he already had a plan because the Bible says in eternity past, before the kingdom, uh, before the foundations of the world, Jesus Christ died for men and women, boys and girls. So that's BK paraphrase. Uh, in my humble opinion, the, the kingdom of God is 
Jesus being rightly related to his creation. And that's only through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So his kingdom, you know, when he said, when he, when he first came, behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. What he is, in my humble opinion, he's saying, I'm here. I'm, I'm here, it's time. You know, all the Old Testament saints had been believing that he would come. <clears throat> and now all the New Testament saints believe that he did come. There's only one way to get into heaven, and that's belief, faith, if you will. And, and faith in what? The finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So does God care about everything else? Certainly. But he cares most about his creation in the area of souls. That, that's my contribution to that part. I can't, can't say it any better than that. The original purpose and design for us was to have an eternal relationship with him. It got interrupted by the fall, by the disobedience of man, and he's been on mission redeeming that relationship ever since and getting people back into that right relationship with him. And that's his ultimate goal is to, to be, I will be their God and they will be my people. That's the revelations uh, pronouncement of God's goal, uh, his end game. And this is Jesus putting his ascent to it. My kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Because think about that. Uh, heaven, and, and we're going to get there someday, heaven is perfect. And everything God wants to get done in heaven gets done. And so it's extremely appropriate for us to model our prayer that, God, whatever's going on in heaven, we pray that it's going here too. You know, uh, w when we talk about a, uh, a good home life, we're asking for God to make our homes just like it would be in heaven. For mom and dad to get along, parents and kids to get along. Uh, things to be done in an appropriate manner, so on and so forth. And, and, and you guys all, we all know both levels. <laughs> and, and I can remember, I can pretty well take you to where me and Dawn were when I promised her that if she wanted hell on earth, I could provide that. <laughs> was it right for me? No. I don't no. see that being on it, her list. I really no, don't. So. <laughs> no, it, it was, I was in the flesh. I was madder and I'll get out. But... I felt like what the direction she was going, that's what it was going to be type thing. And, and so, you know, we worked through that. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> Our pastor's <laughs> still married. So we're we're, we're still married to the same woman. Yes. <laughs> and, and I didn't notice she was here tonight. So. <laughs> she is. We are here. looking no for counsel. It's all good. But nonetheless, um, I, I also know, I'd say 95% of the time, how good it can be. And it's, it's just a little slice, I think, of heaven. And, and again, what, what is that? It's people being rightly related with each other. You know, everything's good. You know, the, the sins are confessed. The spirit is flowing. It's good stuff. Well, I don't presumption think of love. Yeah, yeah, presumption, presumption of love. Well, exactly. And it's not a coincidence, and it was by design, that our relationship with our spouse should be like our relationship with Christ. Very much Keep so. short account with your husband and wife. Right. You know, keep Amen. prayers for them. They confess to each other. Yeah, so you, like we've said from so many sermons, if you... If your love life with your spouse is not good, it's because your relationship with Jesus is not good. Right. Yeah, you know, Gavin's faithful to share this, and how many times the Holy Spirit has basically put his hand in my chest and said, you can't come to me until you get things straight with her. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, you and I treat our wives or husbands so much better when we are rightly related to God. 
But that's true for a lot of relationships. You bet. Could be your relationship well, every one with of your them. your sister, one your brother, your children, yeah. your coworker. Well, and he and says, the, "Leave your gift on the altar." Yeah, if you, that's where I was going. Yeah. yeah, exactly. If you really want to give me a gift, go and get it right first. We, then we, come back. We've and now went further into the prayer. Because <laughs> we're, we're coming it, to that, right? Oh, yeah, is we're it? skipping ahead. Um, but first. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debts. Yeah, we'll, we'll oh, get no, there. I was going back to, to chapter 5 where he says, leave that gift at the altar. There no, I'm, ju I'm just saying. Oh, that, I'm sorry. That, that, no, it's all I'm good, easily David. confused. You should have apologized. I'm going to say I might be over-caffeinated. That's probably the problem. So no, no caffeine for me. So um, it did pose the question, if we're praying your kingdom come and... Uh, in, on earth as it is in heaven. So um, I heard a preacher say, well, what does it look like in heaven? How are the angels acting? Um, God speaks and they react. Right. So, Respond however you want to say it. They, they, they step two. I believe that with all my heart. And, and I don't believe it's anything, uh, it's not an overlording situation. It is a person, and, and I, think, I don't think it's a sin to call God a person. It's a person who has all the authority there is to have, and when he speaks, it makes sense. Do it. And I, I think our first thought, though, goes to a command to do something. Sure. You know, if, if heaven is perfect as we believe the Bible says, it could be, it could be anything, but it can be, it's all positive. Right. It's not a command, go do this, go scrub right. the golden streets. Yeah, they're, they're, they're all on the same page. If, it, right. if, it, uh, if it's love to God to obey him, it's the angels loving God. Right. Uh, and his... His command to, to uh, if you love me, obey my commandments or, or keep my commandments. And we talked about before in another program how that obedience is a presumption in love. Because when you want to love your spouse, you, you obey what she, how she defines love. You right. submit to that definition of love. So you obey your spouse in that. That's a sign of love. So we give God grief because he wants us to obey in order to love him. But we all do that. We all ask people to obey our definition of love as a demonstration of it. And I'm just throwing this out there, but if you're in heaven, you've already obeyed the commandments in essence. So Correct. when you're in heaven, it's just there's really no orders to be given because you've already accepted the orders and you're just fulfilling his word in heaven. You're just living the way he created you to live. Very good. Um, so we skipped through over your will be done. And we kind of discussed this um, a while ago, or at least this is what comes to mind, when we pray thy will be done or your will be done. And kind of makes you look at this a couple different ways. One would be, well, pray for your will to be done, God, because, I mean, that's what you're going to do anyway, right? I mean, could you see somebody like, well, I mean... It's, it's what you've already, it's already decided. That's what's going to happen. So I'll just, I guess, pray for your will because that's what it's going to be. Yeah. Can you see the attitude there? Like sure. there's oh, a, yeah. a couple negative ways to approach this sure. in prayer. But knowing his heart, his will is that you be a fulfilled individual, a free, fulfilled individual. And him providing for that experience is an adventure. It really is motivating. It's enthralling. It's fulfilling. It makes you feel whole. Uh, when you acknowledge God and started following him, and then all of a sudden he starts showing you little bits of himself, and you think, oh, my gosh, I'm not even worthy to be here. Um, so so it's, it's a very fulfilling and all-encompassing experience when God does that for you. So we had talked about that a while back where if, if God knows all and he knows what he's going to do, why do we need to pray? 
well, we had kind of touched right. on this, and this a little bit reminds me of that. Like, well, because you know, pray your will be done. Well, I mean, is that what you're going to do anyway, God? But is his will always done? Right. I heard and, that. And I'm a firm yeah. believer that it's not. Right. If God's will was always done, there'd be no abortion. Right. The, the, no the, mass shootings. Right. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, take it even lower than that. We'd forgive each other. Right. We would right. speak oh, kindly hey, to you're one another. Personal now. Come on. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> I know. We wouldn't be prideful. Ouch. I heard Ravi Zacharias. He was talking on this just a couple days ago. He said, we have free will. And he was talking about your will be done. But if, if your will be done was always it, we technically wouldn't have free will because we'd be doing what he wants us right, to do all the time. Robots. So God creates scenarios. You do this, this is going to be right. your will there. You do this. So there's scenarios in every choice we make. Now, God knows the outcome of each one. He just tries to keep us on that path through his word right. to choose the right one. Right. So my dad would always, I, I haven't taken this direction because... I don't completely understand it yet, but my dad would, would preach all the time on God's perfect will and then his permissive will. And so the perfect will was what was best for you. If you, if you didn't do it, then he moved to his permissive will. And then if, if it was a situation where you were disobedient, then he, you would move into judgment and, and you know, the, the You're coming home. consequential circumstances, whatever the case may be. But... Uh, I, and I've always thought of that, you know, uh, and I think that one of the reasons that God is asking us to pray for his will to be done is because it's not always done, and he wants us to be open to it, and let's face it, I can't even remember now, oh, yeah, okay, we'll just share this, uh, I don't know where you are at with me on my squirrel dog situation, but I've got a friend, bless his heart, that knows every person on this planet that has a squirrel dog that needs to go to someone else, and mm. and it all usually comes to me. So that's called a sucker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm the sucker. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> so I just got rid. He's of not one. blessing. I just don't know what a squirrel dog is. Am I just? So a squirrel dog is a dog that's supposed to hunt squirrels. You let them out they in a tree, find them. Just like a I figured dog. every dog did that. Well, <laughs> right, maybe you would I'm... hope. They haven't been around enough dogs. So anyway, I have this dog that, that I kind of said to myself, if she doesn't tree, I'm not going to buy it. And I took her out nine times, and she didn't tree. So I'm like, because I wanted her. Beautiful dog. She hunts hard. She doesn't tree. So uh, long story longer, uh, the wife, of course, is hoping. She may have been praying all along, Lord, don't let that dog tree. I, <laughs> your I will be done. Yeah, your will be done. <laughs> And so, like, before we went on our trip Thursday, me and the Lord just kind of, we, we had a time, and, and he made it very clear to me, you're not going to keep that dog. And I'm like, but Lord, no, no, you're not going to keep that dog. Okay. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. And immediate peace, immediate peace, immediate, almost excitement type thing. I still got the dog, by the way. <laughs> it's a long story. We're not going to go into it. <laughs> But you haven't repeated that. You've already had your five minutes on this. Story. I, know, I, know. I keep telling myself I'm not keeping this dog because it, I know it's not God's will for me to have that dog. That makes sense. It does, but it just goes. And I, as I'm hearing I don't that, want I'm it thinking to be God's will. I we don't want it. we make things so grand that it, God cares about the little things, even a dog. Like, and that's the level of relationship He wants to have with us if we allow it. And that is one thing, what you just said has really aggravated me about some, if you will, preachers and ministries. 
they poo-poo that. They, they poo-poo the fact that God cares about the small things. And, 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 and I'm telling you, look at there. An example of what the dog <laughs> and that doesn't do. Storm looks a lot like that Ooh, dog. That, that's a maple tree. I was going to say. Because <laughs> of the woodpecker hole. I there's knew a dog it was there coming. Hey, I knew it was coming. <laughs> You'd find a maple tree. Yeah, find a maple tree. Yeah. You better so, get it back on. I know. I, was, I don't even know where to bring it back around now, as usual. I might be overcaffeinated. I'm just saying. This is impossible to do. <laughs> All right. That so, will be done. So if you're praying, and I, I do think often as Christians, like at some point, you do think, like, am I, am I, I would hear my dad say, well, they're not in the center of God's will, or they're really in right. the center of God's right. will. God's and it's will. like, how do you know what God's will is? It, or is this part of the prayer he wants us to say? If this is the model, if mm -hmm. you will, would a good thing to pray be, God, I, I need to know what your will is and for me, because I'm simple. Please make it stone cold obvious. Yeah. Like, Three by five write card, it in crayon. Legible ink. Yeah. I, I think, in, me, I think in one word to know if you're in God's will is contentment. If you're content, peace. peace, the same, yeah, if you're content or you have peace, you're in God's will. Well, Jerry Jolly told me 22 years ago, peace arbitrates God's will, and I'm, I've been saying it ever since. I'm going to have that tattooed on <laughs> I can't remember it. <laughs> well, but too many times, I'm like the mule that had, you had to get its attention. Remember that story? The fellow selling the mule, and the new prospective buyer says, I, I can't get it to do what you say it'll do. Well, you ain't got its attention yet. Well, what do you mean? He takes a two by four and just bam across the head and that mule just spit to and did whatever. The guy told I don't him advocate to. that, by the way. Well, <laughs> no, I was thinking the veterinarian does that not. probably is what God wants to do to well, me some of the time. <laughs> not all the time. Amen. But, but yeah, it, you got to be willing for God's will to be done. And then you ask him to direct you through the, it, just like I said, when I said to myself, okay, I, I'm out. I, the dog is not going to be mine. The peace came. Every time I tried to argue with the Lord, yeah, but what about this? There was no peace. Uh, just reminded of uh, John the Baptist's father uh, when he went into the tabernacle and the angel appeared to him and he said, I'm here. Your, uh, your prayers are answered. You're going to have a child. And then he couldn't believe that he was going to have a child. And then the angel said, okay, you're not going to talk until it's born or until it's, right. it's weaned. Because he had been praying all along for God's will in his life, and there it was delivered to him on a silver platter. And he said, "Give Wouldn't me, give me a sign that it's God's will." So yeah, there's. Why a, there's are we a, shocked uh, yeah. when God <laughs> does exactly what we ask Him to do? And and we're shocked that it's right in the center of God's right. will. That's God. God's going to use us. Give us faith, Lord. Give us faith. All right. Should we tackle eleven or save it for next week? I don't know how long your Ramda saying is. I'm failing now at the time. Uh, it's up to you. All right, one more verse, and then All we'll right. take a break on this topic. Um, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. So let's, before we get to our daily bread, give us this day. Mm. Yeah, because we're not promised tomorrow. And so I've, I, how many times, uh, I've, I've got a book that I was supposed to bring that I, I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, we may incorporate it next year in our uh, because it's a 30 day, 31 Days to Happiness by David Jeremiah. Looks really good. I'm, I'm in day two so far because I just got the book. Uh, but, and I'm not very happy yet. But nonetheless. You got 29 more days. 29 more days. I'm, I'm probably going to be pumped by March. Um, I don't even know now what we're talking about. This day. This day. Um, it, it's important 
for us not to waste our life waiting for what's coming. And, and when he said that, I'm like, Lord, help, that's me. Mm-hmm. You know, for the last two weeks, I've been waiting for this trip with God. I'm just, just, I'm just hanging Waiting on. for the next thing. And then that yeah. thing comes in. The, well, let's plan something yeah. else so it's I can look forward season, to that. So I'm yeah. waiting for that. And the next thing, you know, is... is uh, or worse, got, dwelling on the past. Right. Like, I think we right. all know that person that, Lord like, I, I can't even enjoy today because I'm so busy thinking about... What happened? Yeah. What she said, he said, well, he did. this life event and did. that thing That's happened right. and it's Why not this fair. happened, Lord? Yeah. Amen. Um, I had a friend, her husband passed away this last week and... Um, I don't look at Facebook, I've told you guys that very often at all, and uh, someone said, you have to read what she wrote about her husband, mm-hmm. and which was hard enough because we're all the same age, and sure. you know, it's just, it was just a huge loss, and uh, he was so young, um, and as I'm reading it, part of the thing she said about losing her husband is how none of us are guaranteed tomorrow, and um, we talked about it last week with the Kobe Bryant, like it was... The first thing I thought of when I heard that was, oh, my gosh, it just goes to show, like Ben says all the time, heaven forbid, your time could come. Um, And I think we've said when you wake up first thing in the morning, God, thank you for another day. I woke up. I I took an air. I breathed it out. Um, Thank you. You gave us another day. Amen. So y'all know Dawn's struggle with uh, low iron and such. Oh, there she is. You're not supposed to be here when I'm talking about you. (laughs) It's all being recorded. And so, and I've shared this before, but a year and a half, maybe two years ago, she just had terrible low iron. We didn't know it. Every morning when she woke up, the first thing she would say is, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I love your Dawn voice. <laughs> she was exhausted, and she had just had six to eight hours of sleep. Oh, my gosh. Very conscious of gravity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and so too many times in my life, that's my response to the, the day. Hmm. Uh, it's not an alarm again. Right, right. It can be. I have it can be. 20 things to do before lunch. No yeah. doubt. Well, uh, I'd like to <clears throat> throw a rose to the living. I receive personal daily messages from Mr. Tom Rudloff, the past, pastor out at uh, Evergreen Baptist Church, friend of this church for a long time. He sent me this one this morning, and it's kind of what we're talking about. He said, well, the sun came up this morning. Yep, there it is. Very few of us question whether it would or not. God is so faithful. He's so faithful you can set your watch by him, and we do. Why don't we grow in the trust that we put into our sovereign God, knowing that his word will direct our paths and he will go before us every step of the way. And just that simple, yep, there's the sun. We just take that for granted, you know, that it's going to be there. And we do set our watches by him. You know, he, he is so faithful. He does not lie to us. Why don't we just rest in him? So imagine, again, and I don't want to get away from this this is the model prayer this is there's so much in this and this is the first time in my life i've looked at this prayer beyond just being Mm. able to recite it like really looked into what is he saying to us and how are we supposed to be applying this to us but this is like why is it the model why and that's part of it give us this day just thankfulness gratitude Thank you for the day. You there gave us There's a day. The yeah, like, how would our life be different if that was the perspective we started out with? Somebody made it. It was somebody we, we commonly heard at one point, but God only gives portions of grace for a 24-hour period. Right. So, so You don't need tomorrow's grace. That'll come don't tomorrow. steal from it. And right. don't steal from tomorrow's trouble either. Yeah, that's um, right. Don't so your, your, your grace is for... 
for today. And Yesterday's so gone. Tomorrow will worry about itself. That's right. You'll, you'll, uh, you'll get the portion of grace for today that you need. And that's really the, the allotment of time we should be thinking about. Not that you shouldn't plan for the future, but you shouldn't, surely shouldn't let the, the future rule today. Uh, today can influence the future, but you shouldn't do it the other way around. You're starting to dip into the end of Matthew chapter 6, so we're going to stop there. Um, we'll it's not finish like I read it. Games. Most likely finish the Lord's Prayer next week. Uh, so we'll take a break from this for now, and um, anybody have an I'm just saying? I do. I do too. I'm so excited about it too. Me too. Isabel not yours, maple mine. syrup. No, you know. Mine's I'm, not either. I'm kind of bumming about it. that, but I got a good explanation for the maple syrup thing too. So, so Dawn and I went uh, to uh, OPP? New Beginnings, to the Old People's Paradise in Branson. And New Beginnings is a church that was started 15 years ago. We actually went about that long ago, uh, just shortly after it had started. And um, they're actually transitioning to a new pastor. Uh, the quote-unquote interim pastor is the founding pastor, and he's handing it over to this new guy. And Sunday was supposed to be the new guy's first day. All of his family got the flu. <laughs> so he, he, did a, he did a video saying, hey, I'm, I'm coming, I promise. But, you know, my wife's taking care of all the sick kids and so anyway, so the, the interim pastor preached again. They did something that I don't remember them doing the last time we went, and that is they had a little season of prayer after the worship time, and they, they basically, well, they had a prayer, prayer, the prayer team up there, and they asked anyone that wanted to come to be prayed over to come. And the pastor was on our aisle, and I, I thought, you know, how many times does a pastor get to go to a pastor and have him pray over? And I, you know, I had some issues going on that I was concerned about, that I was worrying about and such. And I knew that Dawn had a particular thing that was laid on her lap Thursday. So I just looked at her and I said, you want to go have the pastor pray over? She said, yeah. So here we went. So after the service, um, I asked her, what what'd you think about that? She said, I loved it. And she said, what's funny was the Lord was telling me to wait on you. <laughs> Because I was sitting there wrestling with the Lord. I don't know if y'all picked up a theme right here, but me and the Lord, we have our issues. And I, I don't know why. What? I sit, yeah, I can't even sit here and explain to you why I would resist that other than I'm human. What people will think. Right, right. You know, they don't even know me. Uh, so I, I did. I struggled with it for about two seconds. And it was Maybe about, three. Yeah, maybe three. The Holy Spirit made it clear. And so I turned it on and we went. I'm just saying, one of the most encouraging experiences to, is to know that God's Spirit is communicating with you, because if He is, you can be sure He still has plans to use you. And, and, and I'm telling you, that, that that's what really honestly blessed me on that particular situation, not just the prayer from the pastor, even though that was precious. God was speaking to me. And in my humble opinion, He will speak to every one of us. Some, He may say, you need to get right with me. But he's going to speak. and he, Why? Because he's got plans for you. He's yeah. not throwing you on the trash heap. And even if you're throwing yourself on the trash heap, he'll clean you up and use you. He just will. And I, I'm, I'm going I'm to skip one of my I'm just saying for, to contribute to, a little bit to what Ben's yeah. saying there. I, I have a friend, who, and I've shared this before, who has asked God to give her a token of for when she sees it, She'll know that his hand of affirmation and his appreciation on her and his love is on her, she, that she could revel in that experience. So when, as soon as she sees it, she knows that God's saying, I, I love you, 
I'm happy with where you're at. Um, she had a friend that passed it on to her, and she passed it on to me, and I'm going to encourage you all to have the same thing. I'm not going to say what my token is, but when I see it, I think, thank you, God. I, I know that God's saying to you, I see what you're going through. Uh, maple tree, no. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's not. Anyway, but that, that'd be very you. close. Yeah. <clears throat> but if you if ask God, I mean, that's okay to ask God for those things. She, no doubt. Uh, the girl that she got it from, they were on a hike in Montana on a way in the backwoods, and she said, oh, 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 God, God just talked just is uh, giving me a token. And they were like, what was that all about? And she picked up a penny. She said, every time I find a penny, that's God's token that he, he's, you know, he loves me. to ask it to be a $100 bill? No, no, it's not. Actually, even, <laughs> even more <laughs> money. It, uh, that's a different, it's church I want an actual road. token. <laughs> it just says <laughs> from God. You know, just give me a... The, the I settle for an Aldi's quarter. <laughs> you guys are... Boy, I'm telling you. Spoiling the story. Go ahead, Dan. <laughs> but the... But the lady had found it in this backwoods yeah, trail and that's what made it especially my my i'm just saying i think it was winston churchill said that writing a book and finishing it was like birthing a baby i can testify that yes it yeah. is this oh is the hard he's, uh, he's paperback thing thank you thank you he's i am peddling so merch, so though. that's what he's doing i am so, this what's that i said you're peddling merch no don't, <laughs> for this don't, don't for this autographed <laughs> Don't buy it yet. It's got some uh, technical issues, but this is the prototype. Yeah. Yeah. Book had technical yeah. issues. Yeah. That's well, amazing. You, if you, so this is book number two. It's upside down. Right? It's, <laughs> it's got some issues. Trust me. Uh, the the margins are off sure. and the page numbers are off. So I, I've got to do some corrections there. But uh, yes, it's like birthing a baby. I'm just saying. An advertisement to the men of the church. Uh, we're going to our renewal retreat the last weekend of March, and Brother Gavin's going to be basically sharing this Very material. Cool. Amen. Very cool. Amen. Good job. And well, any man from the church who wants to go, yeah. it's free. Go. I was going to say, one of my, I'm just saying, is Pastor Ben had a spiritual, I'm just saying, this week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's that's a, I'm usually, yeah. So my, I'm know. just saying, was I've got a great wife because I drugged this home the Look other day. And so what is better than one 21-foot long Cadillac <laughs> is I have two 21-feet long oh Cadillacs. Now, so I have 42 wow. feet of Cadillac. and. You know, like you, you were joking about your dog. I didn't wrestle with God. I wrestled with my wife. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> and she still hasn't come around to it. But I'm, I'm just saying I've got an awesome wife to let me do that. Ooh, so, buddy. Yeah. so you can yeah. tell your wife that that's your token. Yeah. There Every time go. I walk out, I know God's blessing. Yeah. See, I've spoiled it now. It's the longest production Cadillac ever made. See, I can't afford a Ghostbusters Cadillac. Right. So I was just thinking, what does that yeah. remind me of? Yeah, Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. That's it. Who are you going to call? So you can easily like fit 10 people in there. Easily. That reminds <laughs> me of Johnny Cash's song about his Cadillac. You got it one yeah. piece at a time. One piece at a yeah. time. Yeah. The one in the backyard is one piece at a time. That's the one she's <laughs> not proud of. So, so uh... You know how every year they add new words to the dictionary yeah. because it's become, okay, yeah, so like urban. hangry, hangry. Got hangry, you know, you're hungry, you're angry, like we've known what hangry is, but now we have a word for it. Right. You're hungry and it's making you angry, hangry. So now uh, there's a word that's come out of that, that part of the reason you're hangry is because you've had to make a snackrifice. 
Have you heard this yet? I have not heard Like that. you're a at the office fi- and somebody brings in donuts and you know you don't need it and you're not supposed to eat it, so you make a snackerfice. Oh, I like that. And you that. make too many snackerfices. See, I can't relate. I've never made a snackerfice. Yeah. <laughs> they bring food in. It's, it's yeah. It's so, going down. I mean, like today somebody made this like two-story two cake and brought it into work, and I'm like, snackerfice. <laughs> so, yeah, I like so that. Too many snackerfices. So I was presenting this at work because we always have food right. everywhere. It's, it's, it's a problem. I mean, for a hard place. In the cat lab. Yeah. Yeah. You're right oh, there. Heavens. I mean, yeah. We you got offer the to the clients. And uh, so, you know, we all have to, you know, everybody's trying to lose weight always, always. And so it's like, yeah, we've made too many snackerfices, and I had to tell them about it. And so then we created a new word. We feel like we've created it. I don't know if any of you have heard it. Tell me. But a snack accident. Like, so I wasn't trying to eat the donut, but I had a snack accident. Of those I have so, all the time. I was like, I think we're having more snack accidents than snack accidents. I do, I, I do know yeah. Quick Trip. We may need to get back to Thy Will Be Done. They call yeah. it a, a, a snack. Oh, a athlete. Snackle? No, I'm going to be a snack lead. And then he's like, Dad, throw a ball with me. He's like, no, let's throw snacks, Dad, from Quick Trip. I'm a snack. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, snack yeah, so. That's pretty good. Yeah, I've never heard snacks. Well, I remember I had to say, like, I've got to leave this department because I'm having too many snack accidents. Like, <laughs> snack accident after snack accident. That's pretty it's good. It's a problem. So you're no longer snackerficing. No. I've, I've, it's a, it's I've made too many snackerfices yeah, for one week. All right, moving this, on. This trade's way off the rails. All right, well, that's where, you know, we got to bring it back around, right. unfortunately, here. All right, let's get spiritual again. Um, so for our next topic, um, Brad preached on the prodigal son on Sunday morning, and if you were here, it was fantastic. If you weren't here, it is uh, worth listening to for sure. It's available. Um, part of one of the questions he proposed, um, one that's not easily answered, I don't think, but... Does the home produce prodigals, um, or are prodigals a product of their own life choices, or both? Right. So, in my humble opinion, uh, this question could be answered yes. I, I think both are, are an option. Uh, then the caveat uh, that is comforting to all parents is to hear the statement that Brother Brad made Sunday that I agree with, that prodigals are, are not raised, they are produced by decisions. But we must give credence to the reality that if a child grows up seeing gross hypocrisy by the parents, then the parents should shoulder their part in that child becoming a prodigal. However, the reverse is true, too, that a parent can be the best possible parent and still produce a prodigal, and certainly in that case, it is the decision of that prodigal that produced the prodigal, not the fault of the parents. So now, obviously, for most of us, the truth lies somewhere in between. Uh, for me, the power and truth of this statement overwhelmingly places the onus on the prodigal, as it should, because even if you have been raised by Judas himself, your actions are still your own, thus the accuracy of the statement. So obviously I wasn't here Sunday, but I, I heard so much chatter uh, from Facebook, and of course that's from Dawn, because I don't have Facebook, and I loved it. I, I, it's good. It's a good conversation to get started. Th- this is something that for me started about three, maybe five years ago at a homecoming uh, sermon because, again, when you're somewhere for 15 years, what are you going to preach at homecoming? And so every time I would ask the Lord, okay, I need a homecoming sermon, first go-to is the prodigal because he came home. And so uh, praise the Lord through uh, Rot, Rot, Bot Radio Network, I stumbled across uh, Phil Waldrop's book, uh, how, to Re- how to Reach Your Prodigal. And so 
uh, I, and I've got copies. If you, if you need a copy, I've got copies that I'll hand you uh, through the ministry of Bethel. But um, he addresses that whole thing of you need to lighten up on your guilt towards yourself, towards your prodigal. Grant, and, and he says, it, if you messed up, own it. But don't sit there and blame yourself for every poor decision that your adult child is making type thing. And, and so it's good stuff. It, it really is. And then, and then he turns that negative into a positive. Let's get to work reaching your prodigal. And this is what he did. This guy is a evangelist. Uh, he's a pastor, too, that he, he's used. Everywhere he went for about two years straight, people would stop him in an airport and ask him about how to reach their prodigal. So after two years of that, in a hotel room, he said, okay, God, I get it. Help me. How can I help these people that you just keep bringing to me? So what he did was he'd been a pastor for a long time. He called up every prodigal child that he ever was associated with, and he just asked them, no judgment, nothing. I just need to hear your story, and I need to ask you some questions. And some of them were prodigals that had already come back around. Some of them were prodigals that had had just a horror story, how the church didn't respond well, so on and so forth. Some of them were prodigals that were still prodigals. But they talked honestly, and he made a book out of it. And um, so, uh, again, this is an extremely serious subject that most everybody has, whether it's their own child or a grandchild or a niece or a nephew. In some people's lives, it's the biggest source of grief to them, that they've a child that's going astray. I think there's levels of prodigal, too. No doubt. You know, if you come from a pretty straight-laced family and your your child goes to the left just a little bit, they've gone prodigal. But I've also thought, though, that's becoming our culture popular to be a prodigal, to run away from what you were. You're, sure. You know, it used to be rise above your raising. It's the opposite of your raising yeah. now. You be know? the black sheep and proud. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, so that's something I don't think we've seen the full weight oh, of. No. Another 20 years, this generation, that... Be a cat if you want to be a cat, you know, be be the opposite of whatever, you know. We don't know what the effects are of that, but, yeah. I, I think, uh, I forget now the, the particular rapper that was pushing this. It, it wasn't Lecrae. But he says pretty regularly that the only rebellion left is to be a godly person. Yeah. You know. If you truly want to be rebellious in today's society, you need to be a godly person because that's about all that's left. They've done everything else, and everybody's doing, quote, unquote, everything else. But it is a rebellion towards society to be a godly. Look, I don't know if you've kept up with it, but the pro-life movement among teenagers is blowing up positively. Mm -hmm. uh, there are heroes and heroines that are standing up to the pro-death movement, if you will, and, and they're, they're rebelling against this society and the such. And so that we, we certainly have, what would the word be, examples of people, wh whether or not they had had a prodigal time or not, that they've come back, you know, and, and, and we've, had, we've got examples of people that, quote, unquote, never left. And so, you know, Christianity should be the most accepting place to just about everything that's out there. Amen. With the exception of someone that absolutely refuses to leave their sin. And then, and then you still accept them and love them. You just love them enough to say, 
that's not good for you. It's going to destroy you. Right. Tell them the truth. That's right. Mm-hmm. I guess this is like a terrifying topic for me because my kids are, you know, I've got two 15-year-olds now, and, well, I don't know if they're going to be prodigals or not. I mean, it, like you said, it's, it's a very sore place for a lot of families, and it's terrifying. And, you know, what level of prodigal, because we're, we're all going to mess up. And my sisters and I, like, we were raised in a Christian home, and all of us spent some length of time where we were like, eh, do I want to follow God? Do I not? What am I going to do? Like, we all had a moment where we were apart from the church. Um, so I think about that with my own children, and it's just terrifying. So I don't even, this was a tough topic for me to even <laughs> approach because I didn't want to have to think about it. guiding my, myself through it because my, my, the age of my kids. And uh, I still go back to the fact that in my relationship with all my kids, whenever I had a problem with them, it was a mirror of the problem I was having with God. So there was right. some area in my life that I was having the same core issue with God, and I think God uses prodigals that way too. And not every prodigal comes back, but my my go-to or, or my uh, point to make in this section was that if you're working on your relationship with God and cleaning up everything that God's putting a finger on, the the relationship opens up the other way too. Um, God, I, I truly believe that our relationship with God is reflected in our relationship with the people around us. And the people around us are often affected by God because of how we treat them. So getting our relationship with God cleans up the relationship with the people around us and starts the road to recovery or return. Well, yeah, here's two things. Isn't becoming a prodigal a natural way of things, though? How do you know what you have if you don't lose it for a little bit? You know, if, the, if that son wouldn't have left his father, he wouldn't have realized what he had to come back to. So I just wonder, I'm just kind of throwing that out there. I think that's human nature. You don't know what you have until you lose it, and then it's your choice to come back. So you prodigal away from God. Well, you don't realize how good you had it until you don't have it no more. So, so I don't know. I'm just... Well, I, I, th- I think that, I mean, I absolutely hear what you're saying, and, and I, I agree to a point, and that point would be that um, I... If, that's, if, if that were the case to the extreme, then God would encourage us to rebel. Because the sooner you rebel, the, the sooner you know what you get, you're missing and then come back. Right. And he doesn't on any level do that. With that said, he makes allowances for the prodigal, yeah. the finished work of Christ. And, and the, you see what I'm saying? And, and, and that's actually, I think, what the Mormons do, isn't it? The, with their children, they allow their children to have like a one month or a one year hiatus. I think and it's the Amish. Think it's Amish. Amish. That's yeah. it. I'm sorry. I'm not, I apologize to all the Mormons. Are, yeah. Yeah. We've offended all Mormons that don't <laughs> listen to us. But, well, Mardi Gras coming up. Uh, <laughs> well, then the other thing, though, too, is before you. <laughs> what does that have to do with it? I don't even hey. know. You go to Mardi Gras, have Isn't your that what it's rebellion, about? Oh, yeah. and you I, come back. Uh, okay. I follow you. But, but, then, but then, oh. then your level, <laughs> then your level of what you place on a prodigal, are you placing your judgment on your child, calling them a prodigal? They might just be doing it different than you do it. You see what I'm saying? So I be careful. Do, so do yeah. when we place that title of prodigal on someone or something, what are we basing that on? Is it God's word? Or is it our interpretation of something? Yeah. Well, and like and if I, they didn't get the plush corner office that you had in mind for them. Yeah. Right. But they. Oh, I, I my son did. That, I'm a doctor, and my son works at a carnival. He prodigal from no. He's yeah. just different than you. Right. So you know, I think you have to have again, like you said, your right relationship with God to even establish the basis yeah. of a prodigal. 
someone so, texted it. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, no, it says ahead. eight steps to parenting a prodigal. Let them go. Um, putting your foot down and locking them up won't change their heart. Face your feelings. Keep your head up. Let them fail. Remember the other kids. Be expectant. Don't rescue them too soon. Offer grace. Very Amen. good. Amen. So, so this is the last part I wrote down here. So what can we do to not produce a prodigal? And again, you got to remember, you can do everything that was just said there, mm-hmm. and you still may have a prodigal. You didn't necessarily produce one, if you will. Make sure that you are communicating to your kids biblical purposes. And as a youth director, this is something that God showed me. And this is not a knock against those parents at all. It's just what was going on. The parents of the kids in the youth group 30 years ago now were faithful, faithful to teach how to drive, to make them go to school, to make them do their homework, to teach them what they needed to know about a vehicle, how to change a flat. I mean, you, you name it, they taught it. Spiritual gifts? No. How to lead someone else to Christ? No. And, and you just go right down the road. Is that because they were bad parents? No, nobody had taught them. Nobody had taught them how to do that. And I'm telling you, in my most humble opinion, and I hope, and I'll be judged, if you will, by what happened between me and Molly and Benjamin and Tony, I have tried to, number one, help my kids through those things. I've tried to set an example to them for my grandkids, so on and so forth. You've got to talk about these biblical issues. You've got, it's, it needs to be normal. It needs to be normal. When my 16-year-old daughter called me and said, Dad, what is that that you always say about the Lord's Supper? I thought, okay, I'm doing a little bit right, just a little bit right, because she had heard me say it. And she knew that I wasn't going to say, well, good grief, you're 16 years old, figure it out yourself. I wasn't going to do that. I I sat there and parroted it right back to her. Oh, I'm not done. (laughs) Model them and point it out. That's huge. If you don't model what you're teaching, that's where the hypocrisy comes from. Mm -hmm. Correct the failures by owning them, your failures, and changing your ways. Provide training and opportunity to live out their purposes and encourage them every time you see them succeed. And I would add to that the uh, the perfect list, but one thing is weave into their story how God worked in their life through you or worked the, the things that God did in your life and their life that they might not be aware of. I mean, we tease Megan all the time about God. God she was born with signs and wonders. Um, when we found out we were pregnant with her, it was the worst thunderstorm I'd ever been in my life, lightning and thundering. And um, we found out we were expecting. And then when she was born, it was a 12-inch sleet storm, the worst sleet storm that had ever hit in San, hit St. Louis. So we tease her about how we knew that you know she was going to had great things. God had great things in store for her because she came with signs and wonders. And the fact that you didn't take her to the convent. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We, we, we don't can't handle her. this job. <laughs> <laughs> this is bigger than us, God. But re- weave those things into their, their story. Remind them of how God worked in your life. And you know I tease Caleb too. It, we I just knew that he was a boy. My mother-in-law tried to talk me out of it. God bless her. Saintly, she said, Ken said that he thought he was going to have a voice too. Four times. Four times. 
I said, no, no, this is going to be a boy. I'm sure it's going to be a boy. And I tell Caleb, God just assured me that I was going to have a son. So, you know, things like that, you need to weave those stories into their memory so that they can recall them too. So, All right, so this is our final topic, mystery round. Uh, I actually have an idea. It's here. One through four, so we'll just one, two, three, four. Well, so, right? so what I was going to do is idea? I've already got a number written down here. Ah. You guys say a number that you think it is, and then I'll show you. If none of you guess the number, then, then I'm, it's my mystery topic. If any of you guess the number, it's your mystery topic. Does that okay. make sense? Well, I was just going to ask Siri to pick a number between one and four. <laughs> Do it. Is Do it, it. Is it a number between one and four? Yeah. Okay. So you ever, every one of okay. you got a number? Let's pick uh, a number between got, one and four. I'll take three. One. I'm sorry, lose She's the... just thinking. Oh, wow. Well, that would be full. Four. Okay. Who's number four? I thought she said I am full. But that was a dude. Oh, that that sounded series. like a male's <laughs> voice. Yeah. My series from New Zealand. Sorry. Oh. Oh. And so you're number four. And when I say call mom, yeah. they can't find it. He's like, it's, you have to say mom. Mom. And then yeah. it'll give me my mom. It's really frustrating. This series frustrates me so bad. <laughs> anyway, who's so four? It's, it's, it's you. you. Oh, it's you're, me? You're yeah. Okay. We, we had one, two, three. I won the mystery round. <laughs> fix, right. fix. Here's my mystery topic. And it's not that big of a mystery. Um, but so we just finished this uh, study in our small group. Shameless plug if you don't have a small group, uh, find one. I love it. Amen. And Amen. it was called Not a Fan. And um, it, the book challenged me. I'm not even finished reading the book, but the study that we did, it was a video series, is totally challenging. But one of the things that I can't quit thinking about is the author of the book uh, is a preacher. And he said, when I was a kid, I even had a poster of Jesus in my bedroom. And he said, and actually, next to my poster of Jesus, I had a poster of Michael Jordan. And he said, and it's interesting, and I started to realize that I knew everything about Michael Jordan. I knew his height, his weight, where he went to college, his favorite foods. I knew all of his stats. I knew, you know, what, where he ate. I, I could tell you I knew so much about Michael Jordan. Uh, huge fan of Michael Jordan. He goes, but I don't know Michael Jordan. And he's like, and I began to realize that was like my relationship with Jesus. I knew a lot about Jesus. I knew a lot of facts about Jesus. I, I could tell you a lot about his life and his ministry. I could tell you a lot about things he said and, and how he treated people. I could tell you a whole lot about Jesus. But I mean, I don't know him like I need to know him. I was a fan. And he's saying, I, like I was a fan of Michael Jordan, it's like I was a fan of Jesus. And I kept, it, it still haunts me, like, am I a fan? The book was called Not a Fan. Because right. he's saying Jesus didn't come, uh, he didn't want fans, he wants followers. Right. And... And I kept thinking how often, like, I, I love to hear about Jesus. I love to study the Bible. I love to know how, you know, how he talked and why he said things. And, but then it's like, but I don't want to just know a lot about Jesus. I want to know Jesus. K-N-O-W, which in the Greek word, uh, words is uh, gnosos, uh, and it's experiential knowledge. You, so, so it's not just two plus two is four. It's, hey, how are you doing? You know, it's experiential. It, it's the... Relational. You, right, it's relational. relational. It's the warm, fuzzy feelings. It's the uh, sweaty palm, 
gut-turning gut feeling when you realize, oh, Lord, I just messed up, whatever the case may be. And, and so that, that's what you're expressing. And Paul put it that way, too. I, I want to know Christ, uh, even to the point of his sufferings. I, I want to understand how much Christ suffered for me, and I'm willing to suffer for Christ. You know, how many beatings did Paul go through? You know, uh, Paul and Silas in the, in the jail, they'd been beaten uh, badly. Uh, and, and, you know, and we don't understand that because, you know, our justice system no longer does that, and I think that's fine. But back in the day, when you got in trouble, they took whips, canes, and they beat you. They beat you until you couldn't walk for yourself type deal. And so the Bible says in Acts that after they'd been beaten for Christ, they started singing. You know, that, that, that's experiential knowledge. And, and don't you know that the Holy Spirit told them it'll hurt less if you're praising the Lord. Hmm. And they just started singing. And the next thing you know, an earthquake came, got him out of the jail, and the uh, jail keeper was going to kill himself because, you know, it was death to lose your, your guys. And they said, no, 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 don't do that. They want him to Christ. Probably the guy that was swinging the cane, you know, and so amen to that. And I don't ahead. know of an, any other way that you can grow close to someone than to, than to work through a challenge or obstacle or, or a trial with them alongside mm-hmm. them. Um, I used to, and I still am a huge fan of the, the military I'm and, the, well, I'm a huge uh, supporter or amen. admirer of the, uh, of our military veterans. You and bet. you could tell two guys that hadn't, didn't know each other, but they found out they were in the same battle together, just in different stations, instantly, yeah. instantly friend, instantly comrade. And that as we go through life, when we get through some of the, the challenges and the disappointments and the hurts, and, and we work through those with Christ, we get that fellowship also. We get that closeness with him. And you get to the point where I don't want to face anything else without you, Lord. I, I want you to be there, whatever comes. Um, victory or defeat or loss or gain, um, I want you there with me and I want to experience it with you. It's relational. You want it, you want it to be relational, not just the... Because um, we, we couldn't share in the trophies that Michael Jordan won on his own, but we can in, in the relationship with Christ. We can share in the trophies that um, are gained for his kingdom by following Christ and doing life with Christ. But it boils down to belief. Those two soldiers that didn't know each other and they're like, you were in that battle? Me too. They instantly, even though they didn't know each other, they believed the other one, and they felt like they could relate. So when we are having those trials and all that, do we truly believe Jesus went through what we're going through right now? And it just boils down to, do we like the idea of following him, or will we actually follow him and believe in him? And is he with me? Is he with me? He has no idea what I'm going through right now. Well, there's a story in the Bible that says he did. Do you believe it or not? Just to quit real quick to add to that because it's so poignant. Uh, if you're concerned that Christ is not with you, remember when Paul was on the road to Damascus and Jesus interrupted him, and Paul had just finished dragging people out of their home, putting them in prison, beating them, and Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? Um, if there's ever a scripture that testifies the fact that Jesus was going through the beatings, the dragging from the homes, the putting in prisons, Jesus was there along with those followers who had chosen to, to live life with Christ. Um, so Acts chapter 9 is a perfect testament to that. He's going with us. Anything that we go through, any hurt that we experience, he's going with it through us if we choose life with him. So I can't imagine a better life. I can't imagine a better way to go through life. All right. 
Well. Send us topics. Send us topics. Yeah, we're done for the evening. I hope you come back next week. Um, I hope it's warmer next week. Is that is that too much to ask? A little bit. Thirty degree nights, fifty degree days. Yeah, let's start with that. And then quickly progressing to sixty degree days. Yes. Forty. Yes, no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. Thank you all for coming. We appreciate thank it. You. We'll thank, thank you. Tremendous crowd tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Be sure and listen to the other programs. So.